Hi, I'm Steven Schinder. And I'm Dan Schinder. Welcome to the Yes Shift podcast, where we talk about, wait, what do we talk about again? The band Yes. And there's so much to talk about with their many shifts in lineups and the mental, emotional, and spiritual shift their music can evoke. Since 1968, as of the inception of this podcast, May 2021, Yes has published a ton of studio albums, live albums, compilation albums, singles, and videos, all of which cover a very wide arcing spectrum of progressive rock. And we represent two generations of hardcore Yes fans. You may not agree with all of our tastes. Or any. The same way we don't always agree with a lot of the silly stuff so-called Yes fans post about on social. (laughs) And that's okay. With a history like Yes, having spanned so much music and time, there are always going to be different perspectives. And we are here to share ours, comment on things we see online, and invite you to be part of it as well. Yeah, we welcome your comments on posts of these episodes on social, as well as reviews on our podcasting platforms. You can also send comments and suggestions for topics to yesshiftpodcast at gmail.com. That's spelled with two S's, just like yes songs and yes shows. And today's episode is... The Shorties. What is that all about, Steve? Well, wait, our... is this only about John Anderson? Jeez, that was bad, and you should feel bad. Uh, This is about the songs that, by yes standards, are shorter songs. Like, obviously shorter than their longer songs. So I think we've decided (laughs) that it's anything that's shorter than eight minutes. Right. Yeah. And we're not going to touch on every song that's under eight minutes, but Steve and I separately have picked out some notable ones to us personally that we want to point out. We have not compared lists. We haven't even really talked about it much at all. And just for those of you just joining us who haven't ever heard the show or haven't heard the beginning of any of the shows, um, we are just giving our takes like any other Yes fans. And this is two generations of Yes fans because Steve is my son. Um, I saw Yes for the first time in 1978 when I was 15. And you saw them for the first time when? In 2009. That's right. We saw them when they did the show with Asia. Yeah. So um, it's what's interesting, and and this is kind of hard for me to admit, but Steve is actually more familiar with the real old stuff, even more than I am. Those first three albums, he's much more familiar. I actually had to do some homework on this. Uh, So Steve did his due diligence to make sure I did my due diligence. (laughs) And I did. (laughs) Yeah, because back in that, like, from like 2003 onward, there was like that period where Rhino was releasing the remastered expanded editions of the studio albums up to 90125. And so like uh, you gave me Relayer and going for the one as like the first ones of those. And it's a pretty good introduction. Yeah. And I like slowly, but surely um, I guess over the course of like a couple years or so collected the rest in like some weird order like it wasn't in any particular order it was just whatever i could find um and yeah i got more familiar with like each of those studio albums yeah and what i think is cool about the dynamic of this show is that not only is it two generations of yes fans but i'm a musician i've been a musician since late 1969 mainly a drummer very mainly a drummer I'm also the founder of Drum Talk TV. I've known Alan since November of 1989. He's been on our show several times, which I founded in 2013, blah, blah, blah. And But Steve's not a musician, but he's a huge appreciator of not only music, but lyrics. He's a professional writer. Um, he's a novelist. He also works for Drum Talk TV and my social media company. So the perspectives truly are different. And more different than just generational, right? Steve, anything else you want to throw in with that? Um, no, I think you pretty much summed it up pretty well. <laughs> okay, cool. So let's start. And um, the first short one I want to cite, we will go chronologically if that's okay, Steve? Yeah. Okay, cool. So I only I chose one from the Yes album, and I really dig this song. I've never heard it 
in my life, unless I heard it when I was like six or seven and maybe didn't remember. I've never heard it on the radio is what I mean. Um, right. This- and um, is this the yes album or is it their self-titled debut album? Uh, the yes. Uh, it's, it's their self-titled debut album. Yes. Okay. Thank yeah. you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. In fact, I screwed up on my notes there. I wrote yes album and further down. it yeah, says. I mean, I mean, it is really weird that they titled their third album, the yes album. Exactly. Like, you know, you know, you're getting old when your kids got to keep you in line. So thanks, Steve, keeping me on point. <laughs> so a venture, it's three minutes and 21 seconds long. And listening to it in 2021 and being a Yes fan since like 1970 and not hearing this song in forever, it's it's a really fresh perspective for me and it's clearly a pink a peek into yes's future you know i really really like that song and it's it's short even by their standards then uh yeah adventure is actually from the yes album from 1971 oh so i really did jack this up okay (laughs) (laughs) so you you go ahead what do you got from yes 1969 yeah um so my pick that i wanted to like i guess mention from their first album um like i i guess i'm going with yesterday and today because it's kind of different from some of the other stuff on that album because much of it sounds kind of like rocky and poppy but yesterday and today it's like less than three minutes and it sounds it's very soft and feels very moody and to me it feels like a progenitor to like turn of the century years later like it it just sounds very reflective and it's um it's kind of an oddity you know yeah that that's a interesting take um i like looking around i think that's really a neat song um that might be my favorite of the shorties on that album but i like sweetness as well oh yeah sweetness is a huge favorite of mine yeah, yeah I, I i know all the lyrics to that one that's a cool song yeah you should yeah. know the lyrics to all of the songs what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> cool so moving on to the second album correct me if i'm wrong that's relayer just kidding <laughs> <laughs> so time in a word again clearly a peek into yes's future but more on a grandiose scale i think i love no opportunity necessary no experience needed nice long ass title to use in scrabble if you just put it all together four minutes 49 seconds i love that song um what what's one of yours or your favorite shorty off of time in a word steve yeah, I mean, that one is a great one. And it's actually one of the cover songs that they did. And it's really great. And they even opened up with it in the Royal Affair Tour a couple of years ago. And it was oh, wow. Really I see. Wow, I yeah. didn't know that. Because <laughs> that's one of the very few tours I've not seen since 1978. I think I missed four, maybe three. That was one of them. Interesting. Um, Another one I couldn't help but pick from that album is sweet dreams i love that song and i love just a side note the live version of that on songs from songus it rocks i love that um what's your take on that three minutes 52 seconds definitely a shorty by any standards yeah that's i definitely think the songs from songus version is my favorite version of that song because amidst the other tracks on this album, it feels kind of well, like, I don't know what other word to use, but it, it sounds kind of basic to me. Like, it mm. doesn't seem as complex as the other songs. Um, but my, I, I guess one of my favorites um, out of the short songs from here, uh, this one is... I mean, according to Wikipedia, it says five minutes, 39 seconds. I don't know how accurate that is, but like the times are saying will be like around like whatever we say, I guess. But it, it is the second track on Time and a Word, which is then. Um, and I just hmm. love it, like lyrically, like, you know, John sings um, 
Love is the only answer. Hate is the root of cancer then. And it, it just goes through these different twists and turns in the instrumentation and like the bass on it. it like like there, there's bits of it that remind me of Heart of the Sunrise. And so it kind of feels oh, yeah. like it's indicative of what Yes would become a bit later to me. That's cool. That's a good pick. I chose only one off of the Yes album, the third album. And this song to me has a lot of irony that it's chosen and even qualifies very much so as a shorty. And that's Starship Trooper. And the interesting thing to me is that the live version as time went on, I think it at some point it's like, 48 minutes long on some <laughs> live album, <laughs> or it feels that way anyways, you know, with the long drawn out, you know, outro and all that, especially with Rick Wakeman pulling out the guitar or playing on the mini Moog towards the end yeah. you know, of his stint with them. So that's my pick Starship Trooper. I'm actually well, surprised how short the studio version is. Well, I mean, on the yes album, it's about nine and a half minutes. So I guess it wouldn't really be in the criteria that we established really, but it's definitely shorter than like pretty much all the live versions, I think. So did I write down the wrong time? Um, I don't know. Oh, maybe, maybe I did. Okay. Well, it still qualifies. I'm going with that. It sort of does. Do you have, do you have another one off that album? Um, well on this album, really the only short ones are, like the shortest ones are like clap, but that's like a solo and yeah, a, a, a venture from side two. Yeah. Um, and, and I forgot to mention that I decided not to go with any solo pieces. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've seen all good people kind of, I guess it's like almost seven minutes, but I, I do think a venture is the more interesting one yeah. to me just because you know we've heard i've seen all good people to death and i really love the keys on adventure and it, it yes. sounds a bit out of place with the rest of the songs like it, it seems kind of um i guess a bit folksy it's it somehow sounds more like it might fit on the first two albums in a way i'm not really sure how to explain it but yeah, I'm really glad that they dug that up uh, several years back when they did like the three albums tours or whatever they called them. That's cool. Um, so the next, by the way, folks, I can't believe I didn't mention this in the beginning. Chime in in the comments with your favorite shorties, eight minutes or under or around there from each album as we go along. And if you disagree, that's great. If you agree, that's great. We'd, we'd love to get your feedback. I think this is a really neat topic. Steve, did, it, did you come up with this? No, I came up with this topic, right? Right, you came yeah, up with I, this. <laughs> I, I think it's a neat topic because Yes is so well known for their epics, you know, their longer pieces. But Fragile, um, clearly long distance runaround qualifies. Yeah, I think that's the only non-solo one that qualifies. Yeah, and it's hard for me to hear Long Distance Run Around without the fish tied to it, just because that's how I heard it for years and years. But um, I also like 5% um, of Nothing. It's 38 seconds, the shortest Yes song ever. I don't know if that qualifies as a <laughs> solo piece, but it's a quirk fest, basically. It's almost like they did a sound check and just kept it or something in the studio. Right. Well, with long distance runaround, it definitely feels odd hearing it without the fish in concert with, with a couple of exceptions. So um, when AB, I mean, when ABWH played it and they let it into Bill Bruford's drum solo, and that was like a really cool way to, finish it like he did a drum solo for a couple minutes but my my favorite live version of long distance runaround is the acoustic performance of it from the Le relayer tour where you know, you know it sounds oh awesome. yeah like, long distance and they're all playing acoustic around. guitars yeah and it leads into patrick Moraz's uh keyboard solo ironically yeah <laughs> cool um Going for the one, I remember when that album came out. 
I remember going over to a friend's house and her taking it out of the cellophane. It not being a Roger Dean cover already turned me off. <laughs> um, the fact that there was a guy's butt, I was a little confused. But it wasn't until actually a few weeks ago I realized, oh, yeah, butt cheeks, parallels. I get it. And, <laughs> and the two buildings on the cover are in Century City near where I grew up in Los Angeles. So that was kind of cool. But, but besides the fact that it didn't have a Roger Dean cover and it had short songs, I was like, man, why couldn't have been born just a few years earlier to enjoy some of that other stuff when I understood it more? So it was kind of a turnoff at first. However, the music on the album is fantastic. If you put that, that sort of staunch, stubborn, I'm only into the epics aside, the music's great. And I, I could not help but choose all three shorties on there to mention. Going for the One has fantastic, positive lyrics. The fact that Steve Howe plays the steel guitar through the whole thing is awesome. Wondrous Stories is me and my wife Enja's song. That's our song. In fact, I think we played it at our wedding. I don't remember now. But that's like our song. And I love the acoustic version from songs, um, from songs. I love that. But I love the original studio version. And I really love Parallels, too. I love that song. Um, so it was hard. it's hard for me to choose between those three. To me, they are quite different from each other. Going for the one at 532, Wonder Stories at 345, and Parallels at 559. Yeah, I think my favorite of those three is Wondrous Stories. Um, it's just a nice little, I guess, kind of a breather. Because obviously you had parallels uh, beforehand and that was like really intense. But they have Wondrous Stories with its very enlightening sounding lyrics. And just it sounds very harmonious. And then uh, you get into Awaken, which is a whole big thing in, of, of itself. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and then they put out another album without Roger Dean doing the cover. And the cover, of course, enhanced by Vegetable and Rick Wakeman's hand, Tormato. Uh, allegedly. Allegedly. Uh, yeah, because apparently, like I was scrolling through the Wikipedia article for Tormato, and there are multiple accounts of like how the tomato thing happened. Really? So, I've only yeah, heard so the one about Rick. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe that'll be an episode in and of itself someday. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I like that. Um, yeah. I, I chose one song on this album, even though I, I liked the whole album. At the time, a lot of it had to grow on me. But from the very beginning, I love Future Times and Rejoice. I'm counting those as one song because that's how they have it listed. Six minutes, 47 seconds. And those two pieces coupled together from the Tormato tour are just amazing. I love the harmonized bass. Um, Alan playing on the Ludwig TDR marching snare uh, for the, you know, you know, that whole part and then breaking into the drum set. I just love that song and rejoice. It's very, very yes-ish, even though at the time it was sort of hard to digest short yes songs when we had, a few albums in a row of long epics. Yeah, Future Times Rejoice is probably my favorite track on that album. Um, but if I had to choose like a different short song, um, I mean, I love Onward in the like keys to Ascension context. So like on oh, Tomato, yeah. it sounds like not as complete to me without the like intro that like steve howe added so but a, a short song that sounds very complete to me within the context of tormato is magical oh uh, yes yeah yeah it, it's just a With really the harpsichord great, yeah you got the harpsichord and it's like you know you got a lot of great imagery like sacred ships to sail the seventh age and, and talk about celestial travelers it, it sounds yeah. very spacey and really like makes you think that's true i i love that song and um onward from from the keys that live version is so beautiful and the vocal harmonies are not only amazing but when you remind yourself that it's live that 
is the yes sound. You know, that with without those vocals, yes, wouldn't be what it is. It's such a huge part of it, not just John, but the harmonies with um, Chris and, and even with Steve, um, you know, carrying the bottom in. Beautiful song. That's a good call. And then they do come out with an album after that with Roger Dean doing the cover, but they fracture their classic lineup. Their founding member and singer is gone. And Rick Wakeman's gone and they bring in two guys from more of a quote unquote poppy new wave band called the Buggles, as you all know. And drama is born, which actually funny enough, they go from a real proggy lineup to bringing in two guys from new wave. Yet the album overall has kind of a a harder edge to it and a big fat sound. You know, that's the one thing about the going for the one album and then even more so on Tormato where the production just got really thin. Like it's all recorded on a four track or something. And then drama is this big open live sound. I love that. So I chose two from that album and I got to tell you, I love that entire album. The tour was amazing, but Tempest Fugit is just, just I, I lost my shit when I heard that song. It's <laughs> such a great song. The lyrics, the pace, the movement, Trevor Horn singing that whole song without taking a breath between any words is just amazing or so it seems. And I love Does It Really Happen? And I love it for a few reasons. Chris's, you know, bass carrying that whole song, the tempo of it, the groove, and Chris really being the primary lead vocalist in the harmonies of that song. I just really love that song. Tempest Fugit at 516 and Does It Really Happen at 634. Yeah, Tempest Fugit is like I memorized the lyrics to that and it's really like you have to like watch how you breathe when you sing it in order to like get everything yeah. just right. It's really fun to do. Um uh, a f- another favorite of mine from that album like out of the shorter songs is a run through the light. And I know it doesn't have as much stuff going on with it musically, but um, and there's just something about it where it, it makes you, it, it gives me this feeling of like, it, it puts me in the shoes of someone who's very isolated, like out alone in the night. And uh, as if like singing out to like echoing out into the night, into the streets. And I, it just has such a vibe to it in my opinion. Yeah, that is a cool song. And maybe the most different other than, Man in a white car. Oh, yeah, that's the shortest one on that album. Yeah, that song kind of threw me for a loop. It's sort of like totally out of place. Live, it makes sense because it leaves leads into Jeff Down solo. But other than that, like when it first came out, I thought, hey, OK, that's cute. Why is it there? You know, it's just, <laughs> just kind of weird, but it's a, it's a beautiful song. Um, So cool. We'll keep going. We weren't sure if this was going to be a two parter, but I think this fits nicely into one parter. We'll keep it moving, Steve. Yeah. And then another lineup change. Um, Surprising. <laughs> yeah. John's back. Steve Howe's out. Tony K is back from way in the past. The Time Machine member. And my favorite song on that album, I think, should have been the first song on the album. And it's it's one of those songs like for me, Led Zeppelin's Out on the Tiles. It's way too short. I can't get enough of it. And that's cinema chiming in at two minutes eight seconds i love that song that song to me personifies yes of that that era even though it doesn't have vocals does that make sense yeah it definitely feels like an intro type of song and i mean they've used it as such in in the live setting which I mean, I think the argument has been made that maybe the side one and side two could have been. Uh, Exactly. Exactly. It should have been. Yep. Yeah. Um, I I do like having hearts as the final song on there, though. So, yeah, uh, I do, too. I I love that song. I I don't think it qualifies. I didn't even look at that one to include, but I did include one more. Um, Our song is a cool song that has cool lyrics. It's also a good pace. And Tony's actually playing a keyboard part that's reminiscent of a sound Rick Wakeman would have used like on what's called the Polymog. Um, but that, that, that's a great song. I love that song. 
Yeah, another great one is changes. Like, oh that, yeah, does that qualify? I guess it does. I didn't. Yeah, think of it's that. like oh yeah, six minutes, sixteen or something like oh, that. Oh wow, I've always thought of it as a longer song. I didn't even think of that. I love that song. Yeah, I mean, it does go through lots of twists and turns. Like, it's one of the more I would say proggier sounding tracks on nine hundred one two five, and it's like you get these parts of it where you know you have trevor on lead vocals and yeah and chris like yeah and, and and it sounds like a personal story and it's just really well executed like the intro just absolutely slaps you know? yeah yeah you're right that's true i i don't know how i overlooked that it might be my favorite song on the album <laughs> uh and cinema um cool move on to big generator or do you got other notes on uh, yeah, we can move to Big Generator. 90210 or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Big Generator, I came up with one. And I'm okay with that. I came up with one. I know what one of yours is going to be. Mine is Rhythm of Love. Um, moves way, way into just almost FM pop rock. There's not much really prog about it when you look at things like Siberian Katru and sound chaser and then you know rhythm of love is almost kind of a basic song but it does have the beautiful yes vocals trevor raven fits in amazingly with that whole setup and and i just i like that song i love the live version um no matter what the lineup is it's i like that song at four minutes 49 seconds yeah um my favorite song on the album is actually the shortest song on the album and that's holy lamb song for harmonic convergence like it just has a really positive and uplifting feel to it i've memorized the lyrics to that one as well and yeah i just love the way like the way it fades out it kind of makes me think of like the the whole album just fading out into the night, like at the end of the day, yeah. it was like a new day that's going to come. Do, don't you think that song is reminiscent of soon, which by the way, we didn't include because soon technically is part of gates of delirium, but right. I, that song's very res- random. Re- say the word for me. Reminiscent of soon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it kind of is. Although the moods sound kind of different to me because soon is like, well, I guess they both kind of like in the end say that like there will be a light that comes. So yeah, I can see that. And, and by the way, 90125 and Big Generator were also Roger Dean departures after coming back for one album with drama, but the album covers they use for those absolutely fit those albums but then roger dean's back with the onion the 18 member lineup <laughs> yeah because <laughs> he because he helped out abwh with their thing so i guess they figured since they're on this album they might as well bring him for exactly as well yeah exactly i picked what out of all the songs on that album i picked one the miracle of life it's seven minutes, 25 seconds. That's one of those yes songs that they've never performed live and that I would love to see live. I love that song. I'd love to see that lineup do that song. Yeah, that would be great. Um, another, like, really, I guess it's kind of obscure that I would love to hear them play live. I mean, they never will, but it, it would have been cool is silent talking. And oh, yeah. I've heard someone describe it as close to the edge in four minutes. So what, like as a criticism of it, and I actually kind of hear that like it kind of goes through all the different like moods uh, close to the edge kind of goes through but in the truncated amount of time that's interesting um the next album brought a very famous 60s artist into the fold for one album and a lot of people don't appreciate this cover i do because as a little kid i was a fan of peter max um, grandma actually bought me a set of book covers for all my books that were Peter Max artwork that I had in second grade. So that would have been 19, 
70, 70 maybe. Um, but a lot of people criticize that album cover. I think it's really cool. Um, I left out a song. I'm going to look at the songs real quick while you give yours. But one song I did pick out is The Calling at 6.58. And while you give yours, I'm actually going to look up the album because I know I left something off of that. Yeah. Um, I think my favorite of the shorter songs on that album, uh, I guess there aren't that many, but I think my favorite is State of Play. Oh, that was it. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's funny because that is my favorite song off that album and i'll i'll give my little weird side notes about it after you finish what you have about talk yeah i i mean endless dream is my favorite on the album but state of play is like it it sounds like poppy but also somehow transcendent like the way that uh john's vocals are conveyed and how they're mixed it just elevates it and uh, you know, the guitar is really cool on that one. And yeah, it's just really great. <clears throat> Excuse me. It, it is um, four minutes and 56 seconds. To me, that song is one of, uh, if you take the entire Yes catalog, that song stands out for me as, I can't even think of others off the top of my head. So I'll just say one of the top five that sound completely outside of anything else they've done. Cause to me, it's almost, and I, I it'd be easy to misinterpret what I'm saying, but somewhat Michael Jackson esque. And what I mean by that is it's an extremely modern sound. It's got like a dance beat. There's just so many, the electronic drum samples. There's so many things about it that are so different from just about everything else they've done yet. I really dig it. I love the slide guitar solo that that's part of the guitar solo in the middle. And then it drops down. You know, that whole, it's yeah. got some really neat twists and turns that are completely unexpected, especially compared to the rest of the album. And the fact that endless dream is on the same album. It's like, Whoa, two different ends of the spectrum there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> So I, I like that song a lot, too. Then we go on to another Roger Dean cover album. This guy came and went as many times as Rick Wakeman. Jeez. Um, <laughs> the latter. Um, I really, really love that album. I think it's under mentioned, well, underappreciated. Hang on. Yep. Well, didn't what, you want to? Well, oh, open your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and also I didn't know if you wanted to bring up any of the keys stuff, but yeah. I oh, I, do any of them qualify? I didn't think any um, of them were. So the only ones that would qualify are Bring Me to the Power and Children of Light and Sign Language. Strangely enough, those three are not my favorites of all the key studio stuff. I like them all, but I didn't pick any of them to mention, but go for it. Yeah, I guess okay, my... that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, I guess my favorite of those three would be Children of Light. Um, it, it's actually been through a bunch of different iterations. Like yeah. it started out as a John and Vangelis song and then an ABWH song. And then John played it a couple of times and then it became like a yes song. And so it's been through an evolution and it, it's, it, it has a nice positive message i guess and uh the key studio version has a really cool intro for called lightning which is feels more rick wakeman e it's uh, like only a minute intro maybe less but it's it's really cool um and by the way folks if you see me scratching my nose if you're watching the video i've got allergies the flowers are just exploding here in globe arizona in my garden um so sorry about that i was unconsciously doing that because i forgot that we might not beyond just audio um cool thanks for mentioning that yeah that that's cool then we go to open your eyes another roger dean cover sort of because it's got the logo that he created another big lineup change um this is probably the most criticized yes album would you agree steve uh no that's heaven and earth oh that's right okay well <laughs> my five cents Okay, this has got to be second. A lot yeah, of people. Yeah, it's, it's definitely second or 
Union is probably third, I guess. <laughs> and I love yeah. this album. I truly love this album. I remember when it first came out and the first thing I heard before it was released was Open Your Eyes on the radio. I remember where I was when I was driving and how pronounced Chris's voice was in the the um, the, the answer sort of line that he was doing, you know, just... And it rocked and it, it plugged along. I just loved that. And then when I got the album and heard, um, uh, oh, I put State of Play on, on this. That's why I didn't have it on. The, the first song. Um, new State of Mind. New State of Mind. That's where I got jacked up. New State of Mind. I just loved that. I was like, wow, what is this? And I've, I told Billy when I first met him on that tour that Fortune Seller to me is a, a work of genius as far as production. I just love how tight and futuristic it sounds, yet it fit with the time. Um, there's a lot of other pretty songs on that album uh, from the balcony, which I didn't choose. It's more of not a solo song, but a duet. Um, yeah. There's some other really nice songs, but those two songs state of uh, yeah, state of play and fortune. So, I mean, Oh new, God, new, new state, state of, of mind. mind. <laughs> yeah. New state of mind close to the edge and fortune seller. Just kidding. Um, are my favorites off that album. And I love the the title track, Open Your Eyes, a lot too. Now that I've completely confused everybody or they think I'm having a stroke, take it, Steve. Yeah, the title track is a favorite of mine as well. Um, another one it, for me is Universal Garden. Like it's got a yes. great soundscape where like it makes one think of like looking up into outer space and like seeing UFOs or what very ethereal. Yeah, and it's it's a really good mashup of modern sensibilities for the time and also just classic yes, you know. Yeah, you're right. That That is a beautiful song. Cool. Folks, give that a fresh listen. It's really a good album. Um, move on to the ladder? Yeah. Okay. You go first on the ladder. Another Roger Dean cover. Beautiful yeah. one, actually. Yeah, my favorite on this one is actually, well, I mean, e even more more so than like the longer songs on the album. Like this is my favorite track on the album and, and it's one of the shorter ones. It's It Will Be A Good Day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's very positive. It makes you think of like Mother Earth and nature and just how beautiful everything can be and how you can make the day a good one if like all the cards are right and you really pursue it. And it, it has really great vocal harmonies on it. Absolutely. Um, how long is that one? Do you know? Do you have that handy? Uh, well, Wikipedia says four minutes, 54 seconds. Okay, cool. Um, I, I want to cite three because I love all three of these equally. And I really think they're fantastic. First of all, the production on this album is awesome. It's so sad that they lost Bruce. Yeah, Bruce Fairbairn. Yeah, during the production, before the mixing, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think it was during the mixing, mixing stage. Yeah. Yeah. Just a great recording, great playing, great songs. Um, lightning strikes, face to face, and finally are really good songs and they played them very well live lightning strikes is 436 face to face at 502 and finally at 602 i love yeah. all three of those equally they're great songs they're they're fine for radio play lengthwise and they just really live up to the times moving into a new millennium and all that stuff, you know? Yeah. Those ones are very upbeat and yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think finally was ever played live, but it would have been really cool to hear live. It, it just has that feel to it. Like people could like bob their heads. I guess to it you're right. Not. Yeah. That wasn't on the tour I'm running the. Yeah. I mean, it's not on house of yes. And I don't think it was played on like, any other You're days right. on the latter yeah. tour, but that that that's a shame. So they could do a really neat tour of songs they never played live. Five percent of nothing, uh, the miracle of life. <laughs> well, I mean, they did five percent for nothing on when they were doing the three albums thing. Oh, and fragile was like one of them. Oh wow, that's a trip. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Okay. Uh, anything else from the latter you want to mention? 
Um, I mean, I, I also really love to be alive, uh, in parentheses, happy yet, or however that's oh, yeah. pronounced. Yeah. It's got a really spacey sounding intro and, and just really great vocal harmonies on that as well. Like this album is just really great sonically. Like, um, again, like hats off to Bruce Fairbairn with all his input on this one. It really felt like the band was like at top form with the latter. I agree. And the, I love every song on there. I want to mention one more. I don't know where it sits lengthwise, but um, um, the seeker. No, not the seeker. The That's messenger. The, the messenger. <laughs> <laughs> John's tribute to Bob Marley. That's a great song, too. Yeah, that one. Boom, 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 boom. That's just such a great song. Cool. Yeah. Magnificate, magnification. Love that album. Only yes album without without a keyboard player. What? And <laughs> and magically, uh, you and I did talk about this recently. How the album cover suits that album perfectly. Uh, they used an orchestra instead of a keyboard player. Yet they did the tour uh, with the orchestra and had Tom Brislin on keyboards. But Rick Wakeman played a bunch of those songs on the Full Circle tour. Yeah. Um, well, just magnification and in the presence of. But yeah, yeah, and, and I love that album. Um, my two favorites are Spirit of Survival at 602, and I love Can You Imagine at 259. It's a Chris Squire lead vocal song. I love the orchestral intro, and I love Chris's voice in that song. It's really a powerful song without being a heavy hitting song, if that makes sense. Yeah, Spirit of Survival is a favorite of mine too. It's just really it has a hard edge to it and it, it kind of feels like it continues from magnification in a sense but also has like a different it moves into like a different vibe um and another favorite of mine is give love each day which uh, i guess barely makes it because it's less than eight minutes but yeah that's probably my favorite on this album it just which has one? give love each oh. day yeah yeah yeah, it has a really great orchestral opening and it just the lyrics sound very sincere, like there's passion to it. And I, I love it. Cool. Um, so next, let's see. Yeah, so fly from here. Another twist and turn different singer. I mean, the whole thing is kabooboled compared to everything that had gone on. I mean, this band literally cannot keep it together for more than two <laughs> albums in a row. But in part, that's also why we have such an amazing wide arcing body of music. Um, Fly From Here, there's so many. I mean, we could do a whole episode on that album and how interesting it is that it's fast forward from 1980s lineup and the music that was born out of the drama album that they didn't even put on the drama album. Um, yeah. But I, I, that's a whole seriously episode, but I chose two. the man you always wanted me to be is a very mellow song. And it's a Chris Squire lead vocal song. Again, I love everything where Chris's voice is prominent. So I love that. And I also cited um, that's at five minutes, 20 seconds and fly from here. Part one, we can fly at five Oh five. I love that as well. Yeah, those are both really great. I, I guess my pick would be, um, well, Into the Storm is a really mm -hmm. great conclusion to the album because toward the end you have the uh, like the return of them saying, "And we can fly from here," so like really bring it full circle. But you also got um, well, I guess I um. I mean, obviously, this album has had two different versions. There's the one with Benoit on the lead vocals, and there's the one with Trevor Horn. Um, but I think on this song, um, Into the Storm, I, I think I prefer the way Benoit does the part where it's like, armies of angels are starting to yeah, form. I agree. Yeah, it's just really well done and it has really great instrumentation and goes like twists and turns and it's a, a great closer for a fly from here cool anything else from that album for you 
Um, I'm also fond of Hour of Need. I know there's like the oh, yeah. standard like three minute version, but there's also the like longer versions that are like almost seven minutes with like the extra like intro and outro that sound more rocky kind of makes it sound a bit more like asia to me um but yeah like both like either version is really great it's like keep trying uh so that you can succeed it's like one of those types of songs right cool so that's our episode of the shorties um oh i mean we still have (laughs) heaven and earth I got nothing. Um, I'm just, I'm not familiar with that album. I heard it a few times when it first came out and never went back to it. I can't name one track on it. I'm sorry. I consider myself a true Yes fan. I would probably shun anybody else saying anything like this about any other album, but that's that's just where I'm at. So you, you take this one. Okay, so Heaven and Earth is an album where to me, it feels like half of it really could have used some more development and fleshing out. But I do think there are really good songs on here still. Um, and like, it's weird because I get nostalgic listening to this one because I it came out at a time where I was getting ready to go to college and I was like super optimistic, like moving like forward and whatnot. Um, how I'm feeling today is a different case altogether, but um my (laughs) favorite but um my favorite short song on that album is and it's like one of my two favorite tracks overall on that album is to ascend um it's just like it's just very relatable you know drifting on a strange tide and like caught between day and night like being in this state of uncertainty Mm. and uh, just wanting to ascend. And um, I, w- I was actually able to tell John Davison one time after one of the concerts I went to that I sang this like uh, when I was hanging out with friends that were doing like a karaoke thing at one of their apartments. And I, it was oh, just so satisfying. I never knew this. Yeah. And it was just so satisfying to like sing along to this. Oh, so cool. yeah, I, I I love that song. I love. What's the length? Uh, it is four minutes and forty seconds. Oh, see, I have it. The whole album made such a light impression on me that I can't name one al- song or have any concept of length. But I'll, I'll look that up. Right, and then the most recent studio release that we have, uh, like this one was recorded in twenty ten, but it didn't come out till like toward the end of 2019, I think. And this is from a page. It's kind of like an EP. It's very much more of the, like this was like a nice surprise when it was announced. Cause like this is the definitive, like Oliver and Benoit Yes album. It's like, you know, after the fly from here return trip thing with Trevor Horn replacing Benoit's vocals, like, it rubbed some people the wrong way. And so putting this out and, you know, Oliver did such a great job mixing it. Like it felt like it really balanced things out and really gave Benoit and Oliver the due that they deserved, like in the studio sense. Yeah. Um, and and I just yeah. want to mention, um, I've, I've interviewed Alan. Did I interview him since then? Yeah, I think so once. But my point is I never thought to ask him, even just outside of an interview, like what went on behind the scenes? I think it's so cool that they let Oliver take the reins on that. It's kind of like his, as an archivist, his project in a way, I don't think without him driving that bus, it would have gotten on the road and seen the light of day. Right. Cause Trevor Horn was the one who was pushing for Jeff to come back into the band. And then at some point later on it, it might have taken a while but oliver got the rights to the songs that he had been working with yes and so he was kind of sitting on those and then i think at some point steve howe gave him the okay to like produce and mix it and whatnot and it came out really well and so uh, my favorite i guess there's only one song that doesn't qualify as a short one and that's the gift of love which is 
my favorite on that album. It's actually one of my all-time favorite Yes songs. But, oh, wow. Yeah, but out of the shorter ones, um, I'd, my favorite is probably... Oh, it, this is tough. It, 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 I'm just going to mention both of these. Um, so To The Moment is a really great starter for this because it's like brings in that hard edge it's like you know crashing down with and you have benoit singing i don't know what you're thinking when you close your eyes at night or whatever the words are and he's just in top form um and the song after that words on a page is i mean i'm a writer so i I guess I resonate with that because, you know, it's about the importance of words and stuff like that and how they mean to people. Um, and I guess honorable mention to from the turn of the card, it's a really good duet between Benoit and Oliver. It kind of sounds different from the rest of these songs, but it's like, I, I just love from a page. It's all around really good. That's cool. Uh, I, I'm not up to speed on this one, folks, and I did not do my due diligence on that particular album. I'm not familiar with it enough to pull something off the top of my head. But when you mentioned that opening track, I do remember hearing it for the first time. And to my old ears, it was a bit reminiscent of some of the work on GTR that Steve Howe did with Steve Hackett. Oh yeah, I can hear that. Yeah. Yeah, I do remember that. It's That's cool. Great. So folks, we would love to know what your favorite shorties are. It's a whole different part of yes world you know when you consider all the long epics you got the four uh, monstrosities that make up tales from topographic oceans you got the three pieces on both relayer and close to the edge there's a few other longer songs well there's many longer songs endless dream awaken turn of the set it just goes on and on so we thought this would be a fun uh perspective to look at yes that i think they're not as often thought of if you will yeah, definitely. Like, I know some people kind of, like, when they hear that there's, like, new Yes music and there are shorter songs, maybe people hope for, like, longer songs, but they're definitely really good shorter songs, and, like, they've had some of those since the beginning, even though, even if they weren't, like, the shortest even back then, it's like, yeah, you can have Yes songs of various lengths, and it just depends on the execution. Yeah, and they still are yes-ish. Yeah. They're not just yes-ish, they are yes through and through, which is cool. Yeah, definitely. Great. Folks, write us at yesshiftpodcast at gmail.com and give us suggestions. Give us your take on any of our episodes if you're more comfortable doing that rather than commenting publicly. Um, and this is about all things yes, because let's face it, after 50 plus years, there's a lot to talk about. All right. Thanks, everybody. And we'll be back with more probably by the time you've heard the end of this. Thanks. Bye.